Welcome to another episode of our Simple Life with Jesus series. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey Elgin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Today we're going to kind of continue a theme that we've we've had through many of our different um, episodes of our Simple Life with Jesus, is evaluating how we think about God. What do we understand about God? What do we think about the characteristics of God? Um, and trying to kind of see God through the eyes of Jesus. How did Jesus interact with God? And we, we've done that in the past, uh, in some past episodes, by kind of looking at some false narratives that we tend to have about God. Um, and, and today we're going to look at the simple uh, fact that God loves us. You know, that's something that we throw around a whole lot as Christians, uh, that God loves you. Uh, God loves us. You know, and that's obviously very true. But do we really believe that? Do we truly believe that God loves us? I mean, one of the greatest barriers many times for people coming to, to faith in God is they they struggle with the fact, you know, if God knew all that I've done, there's no way that he could love me. Um, you know, and so sometimes we can struggle with God's love for us. And one of the reasons is because we have a false narrative about that. Because many times what we really believe is that God only loves us when we're good. Right? Now, that's not always what we'll say. We'll say God's love is unconditional. And many times we've accepted that. But then sometimes there's that place deep within us that we just know we're not good enough. And we wonder, does God really love us? You know, because the problem is, is we live in a performance-based society. A society that rewards us for good behavior and punishes for bad behavior. You know, look at how we raise our children. When our children do well, we praise them. Whenever they don't, uh, there are consequences. And, and that's fine. That's how it needs to be. But as, and as we get older, uh, we still live in the performance-based world that if you do good, you're rewarded. And I think it's very easy for us to apply that to God's love. See, because if we're honest with ourself, uh, ourselves, excuse me, many times the way that we love others is based on whether they're doing good or not, right? It's really easy to love someone who agrees with us, who does uh, all the things that we think that they should, who lives a life that we, we feel that they should, that's acceptable to us. Well, then it's easy to love them. But what about that person who has harmed us, who has rejected us? Or what about that person who simply lives a lifestyle that we don't approve of? We find it really hard to love those people many times. We've seen that throughout the church, right? And so if, if that's the kind of love that we have, it's very easy for us to start projecting that onto God and that that's the type of God, love that God has, that it is based uh, on our goodness. And that is so far from the truth, but it is hard sometimes for us to accept that. And so Jesus does a, a whole lot of things through his ministry to try to dispel this. Um, you know, there's, there's no passages in there where Jesus talks about that when we're good, 
um, that God's going to love us more. Uh, Jesus is about trying to uh, extend God's unconditional love to everyone. Um, if you remember when uh, Jesus calls Matthew uh, to become a disciple, Matthew is a tax collector. He is he's lumped in with the uh, the sinners. When people talked about sinners in that day, uh, the tax collectors were at the top of the list because they cheated. They were not fair. Um, they uh, were representative of a group of people that were looked down upon uh, because of their actions. And here Jesus goes and points out and calls one of these tax collectors to follow him. And not only does he do that, but then he goes and he celebrates at the tax collector's house and invites all kinds of other sinners. And what are the Pharisees, the religious leaders, uh, those who were the most pious, the most religious, um, what did they do? Um, they criticized Jesus. says, why do, you, why do you eat with these tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, uh, of course, responds, says, those who are well have no need of a phys- physician, but those who are sick uh, do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. Now, there's a lot of irony here because the Pharisees are actually just as sick as the sinners. Uh, Their self-righteousness is their sin. But Jesus makes it very clear that he is not looking to love those who are already righteous. He is looking to love those who are unloved. He is looking to love the sinners. That is the love that God has for us. That, that love can never uh, be diminished, no matter what we do. And that is so important for us, because if, if we're not careful, uh, we can start thinking uh, along those lines that, man, as long as I'm doing things good, God's going to love me, and then God's going to reward me, uh, God's going to be there for me. But man, if I start to slip then God's not going to love me as much anymore. And that is a very dangerous way um, to approach our relationship with God. Because then we start, as soon as life starts going a little bit sideways, which it will, we start wondering, well, is this because I'm doing something to not deserve God's love? You know, did, did my car break down this week because I haven't been loving God the way that I should? Those are all very dangerous paths that we can get caught up in. But see, God loves the world. You know, the most famous passage and well-known passage in all of Scripture, John 3, 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And then it keeps going. It says, Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You know, I think sometimes <laughs> we, 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 would, we would actually write that uh, passage maybe a little bit different. Maybe we would write it something, like, uh, something such as, uh, for God was so irritated at the world that he sent his son to come down and to set everyone straight. And whoever would allow themselves to, whoever would shape up, would have eternal life, right? Indeed, God sent his son to condemn it in order that the world might be saved through good works. I think sometimes that's how we approach God, or that's how we try to convey to others. 
And we've got to be really careful that we don't allow kind of our performance-based system and viewpoint uh, to affect the way that we look at God's love. You know, I want to look at one of, to me, one of the most powerful parables uh, in the New Testament that Jesus tells is the prodigal son. You know, and, and you, you've, you know the story, right? We have a son who comes to his father and demands to get his inheritance early. So he leaves, and he goes, and he squanders all of his wealth, um, and he ends up living with the pigs. And he finally comes to his senses, and he comes back, and then from a, fa- a long way off, the father sees him returning and comes and just uh, lavishes upon him his love, uh, celebrates just a, a wonderful picture. And, and you know, there's, there's a couple of neat things about that. You know, one is that the son blatantly is rejecting the father at the beginning. Now, there's some cultural things that are going on here, but for the son to actually go to his father and demand his inheritance uh, so that he can leave and take it with him, that was, uh, that was an insult to the father. That was a rejection. The son was basically saying, I don't want to be part of your household anymore. You know, there was, there was no love shown here by the son towards the father. But the father agrees. He allows the son uh, to take the inheritance. And the son goes and does everything that he shouldn't, right? And commits all those sins that we so easily condemn. Whenever the son finally comes to his senses, that wonderful passage where, where Jesus says that the father sees him from a long way off, right? He's just waiting. He's been looking for him. He wants to be able to remind the son how much he still loves him. Because his love was not based on the son's actions. There was nothing that the son could do to earn more of his love, or there was nothing that the son could do to diminish his love. And the father just lavishes his love upon the son. Man, that's a powerful image of God's love. But there's more to that story, isn't there? There's also the older brother, the brother who stayed with the father. And he became very jealous. He didn't like seeing the son experience this this type of love because the son's actions didn't warrant it. His performance was subpar. And the older son, you can just tell, was so frustrated. He was so irritated. What the older son suffered from was the sin of self-righteousness. You know, and many times we, we talk about how it's our sin that separates us from God. And, and that is true. But you know, for us who are Christians, who claim to already believe in God and who He is and what He's done for us, you know, our self-righteousness can continue to separate us from God. We can be so concerned about 
looking out at the world and looking out at other people and how they're living and judging whether they should be uh, should experience God's love or not that we just find ourselves moving further and further away from that relationship with God you know I don't know where you are today maybe you're more like the younger son maybe you know that you've been living a life that God wouldn't approve of. I just want to encourage you. God's love for you is just as strong as it's ever been. And it is available to you. You just have to turn and follow Him. Or maybe maybe you're more like the older son. Maybe you're finding yourself focusing on all the negative that's going on and becoming very self-righteous. And maybe that's causing you to miss out on God's love for you. That you forget that God's love is right there for you each and every day. This week, I want you to take some time to just enjoy the presence of God so that you can feel the love that He has for you. A love that is not based on what you do. Because guess what? You're always going to be, be able to find reasons that God shouldn't love you. Do not allow that thinking to cloud your mind. That is not thinking that's coming from God. That is not the God that Jesus knew. The God that Jesus knew loves us no matter what. Turn to His love. Allow His love to fill you so that you can live your life for Him each and every day. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.